It would cause a person to look back, not with regret, but instead look forward with expected hope. There were many things in Anna's life that were very disappointing. She was from the tribe of Asher, which was an obscure northern tribe in Canaan. She wasn't well known. Um, She had lost her husband at a very early age, some believe around the age of 21. She had no children. Uh, She had grief that added to the tragedy. However, we find it doesn't allow, she doesn't allow it to truly define her. She lived under the cruel reign of Herod the Great. In fact, as we learned last week with Simeon, she had lived through the whole century almost previous to the reign, to where Christ had come. It was a very uh, difficult season. There was much political turmoil. There was much unrest. Even in the church house, even in the synagogues, even in the safe places, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees were at odds with each other. There was a cruel reign of Herod the Great and people who were trying to bow to what he wanted and others who were trying to stand firm on what they believed. And there was much turmoil. Matthew Henry, the great commentary, tells us this about that time. She most likely had to serve amongst priesthood who were corrupt. There was much evil in the church where she spent most of her time, as we'll look at in a little bit. Yet God had not left himself without a witness in this dark time. And though there was no prophet per se, there was a prophetess, and that was Anna. Although Anna knew heartache and loss, she focused on hope. And this is how Anna lived her life, waiting patiently for Christ, who is our hope. And really, this Christmas season, we're looking at four different people who saw something that made all the difference to them. And how did they see it? And what can we see today? And what does God want to show us? And we see in Luke chapter number two, in these three verses, we see three things that we, if we can see how Anna saw, I think we'll be able to see what Anna saw. And unfortunately, if we get stuck on any one of these things, we can't quite get to where God wants us to be. So first of all, if you're writing this morning to see as Anna saw, we must see Anna's dilemma. Anna's dilemma. And we see this in verse number 36. The Bible says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. We see, first of all, Anna's dilemma with her loneliness. With her loneliness. She was a widow of about four score and four years. There is simply no other anguish like the consuming anguish of loneliness. If you don't think so, ask the inmate in prison today who's all alone. If you don't think so, ask the uniformed man, maybe thousands of miles away, who is fighting for his country. If you don't think so, ask someone in a bar last night, why did you stay there all night? Why didn't you go home? What about the divorcee in the apartment or the one who just buried his or her life's companion? What about the couple whose arms ache for the child recently taken? What about the single career-minded person who prepares a meal for one and goes to bed early alone? 
and loneliness, as Anna found in her life, can be described as one of the most desolate words of the human language. Capable of hurling the heaviest weights the heart can endure. Chuck Swindoll said this, Loneliness plays no favorites, ignores all rules of courtesy, knows neither border nor barrier. It will not be left behind. Crowds only make it worse. Activity simply drives it deeper. Silent and destructive as a flooding river in the night, it leaves its slimy banks, seeps into our dwelling and rises to a crest of despair. Though loneliness has many forms, loneliness has but one purpose to God. Loneliness is when God takes something treasured out of my life so he can be closest to me. Thus, loneliness is a tool in God's hand, an opportunity for a right response by his children. And we see Anna's dilemma, first of all, was she was lonely. She was lonely. She had been without her husband for years. No children. It doesn't look like she had many close friends. She was all alone, and if she isn't careful, this can become a dilemma that can cause her not to be used of God. But we see in Anna's case, even though she knew loneliness, she did not know emptiness. We see not only her loneliness, we see, but also her long-suffering. The Bible says, and and once again in verse 37, she was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. Many believe she was married around the age of 15. So this places her at the actual age of 106. And though we don't know exactly how old she was, we do know that she had lived a, a long life. She had probably used up her resources of time and health and strength. Her future plans should have been all used up, but not Anna. No, the secret of Anna's strength was in how she viewed God. If she had allowed the pains and troubles of life to distance her from seeking God, she would have become dull and lifeless, but not Anna. She didn't let that pertain who she was. Instead, the presence of God brought hope and life into her life. And she was able to make a positive impact on many people. Anna lived and walked in hope and saw God's hand all about her life. She was willing to be what God wanted her to be, even if it's not much by others' estimation. She probably was a nobody to everyone except her God. She was very well elderly, but she was not hopeless. She resisted the crippling attitudes of despair, disillusionment, and bitterness. And even though she had known pain, she kept on trusting the Lord. And so we see her loneliness. We see her long-suffering. 1 Timothy 5, verse 3, Paul writes to us and to dear Timothy, he says, Honor widows that are widows indeed. Now that she is a widow indeed and desolate, trusteth in God and continueth in supplication and prayers night and day. And maybe you, like Anna, feel the dilemma she's in. Maybe you feel some loneliness. And if you do, I'm so sorry. Maybe you feel some long-suffering. Maybe you feel like you've suffered for a long time, and it's weighing on you. It's, it's push, pushing you down, maybe. Maybe it's testing you and trying you. But I see a third thing that Anna, no doubt dealt with, and that was her limitedness, her limitedness. The Bible says in verse number 37, she departed not from the temple. It's interesting to me, she 
never left her post. It reminds me of the temple watchman in Psalms 134, verse 1. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I think maybe Anna decided that she was going to be faithful to the temple, to her father's house. She was going to be there. She was going to be a watchman, if you were. She was going to be willing to make sure the temple was adequately taken care of. And much like Deborah, who lit the lamppost, as we learned a couple weeks ago in Judges, she too was very faithful to make sure the temple was taken care of and prepared and ready for when people were to come. She didn't even have a copy of the Word of God. She had limited resources to live and to serve God with, but even though she had limited access to the Word, she flourished because of the unlimited access she had to God. Maybe this morning you feel like you have limited resources. If you had more money, you'd love to give. If you had more talents, you'd love to perform, or you'd love to sing, or you'd love to speak. Or maybe if you had a little more talents, you'd like to do more for the Lord. And God says, no, 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 no. I want to take your limitedness and I want to make the difference in your life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, God invites us, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace To help in time of need. Oh, Anna knew her limitations. But she did not. She refused to know her uselessness. Maybe today you feel like you have the same dilemma of loneliness. Maybe you're longing for some friendship or fellowship. Or you're longing for a loved one. Or you're longing to be with someone who's gone on to glory. Maybe you're lonely today. May I say Anna knows how you're feeling. Maybe you feel a little bit of a long suffering. You've dealt with a trial and a tribulation for a long time and it's bear you down. And you wonder if maybe you can still go forward. May I encourage you today? Anna knows what you're going through. Maybe you feel limited. Maybe you feel like you don't have much to offer. What could this church use for me? It's a big church. It's got many people. Why would they need me here? Oh, I'm thankful today to tell you that God uses every single one of us to do something great for him. Oh, I believe with all my heart, Portland is an area that needs Jesus Christ. And I believe that the church is a vehicle God uses to get the gospel to the world. And I believe God wants to use Grandview Baptist Church to reach this area, to reach this metro area, to reach this state, to reach our country, to reach this world for Christ. I got to talk on the phone yesterday with Brother Kenny Menendez and He's one of our former deacons here, and now he's pastoring in Anchorage, Alaska, doing a great job. And I said, Brother Kenny, how you doing? He says, I'm doing great. God's blessing. He says, hey, I'm going to be in the area in January. Can I come through? I said, you better come through. He'll be with us on a Wednesday night, giving us an update. And it was so exciting to hear that God is using him in Anchorage. I'm thankful today that Grandview Baptist Church is reaching out. And may I encourage you today, if you're praying about, should I come to Grandview or should I continue to come? May I say, whether you feel limited or limitless, may I say that God wants to use what you have to offer. And we see this morning a woman who has a dilemma. 
Can you imagine her sitting there as she's seeing Simeon maybe talk to Mary and Joseph and wondering, God, is this it? Is this the time? What do you have for me today? And it's interesting how even though Anna had a dilemma of loneliness and long-suffering and limitedness, we see that she didn't stop there. She didn't let her dilemma keep her from doing something for God. Instead, she used her dilemma to grow closer to the Lord. And may I say this morning, whatever dilemma you face, you can use it one of two ways. It can cause you to turn away from the Lord or it can cause you to grow closer to God and lean more on Him. I want us to see, second of all, Anna's development. Anna's development. What did she do with that dilemma? The Bible says in verse number 37, but served God, but served God. Here's a lady who's lonely. Here's a lady who's long-suffering. Here's a lady who feels like she doesn't have much. She's limited to this. But I see a lady who also is willing that she still wants to serve her God. I see she served her God with her passion. With her passion. She spent the rest of her life serving God and his people. May I say we all have our own passions in life. You know, some of us are passionate about football. And I can get into it. Some of us are passionate about maybe our crafting. I cannot get into that, but I'm glad for you if you do. Some of us are passionate with our cars. Some of us are passionate with our guns. Some of us are passionate with our hunting. Some of us are passionate with our food, your foodies. Today our question in class was, what's the best way to eat chicken? Oh my goodness. Not one forward or backward. No, no, no. The best way. Prepare. You have... Chicken strips, you have fried chicken, you have cooked chicken, you know, however you cook it. Grilled, you know, chicken strips. I don't care. Bring me some chicken. You know, we're passionate about things. And you're thinking, stop, Pastor Joseph, I'm getting hungry. Okay. We're passionate. But when we see Anna, she's passionate about serving God and his people. Nobody compelled or forced her to do it. In fact, every single person there would have totally understood if she didn't want to serve anymore. She's over a hundred. She's tired. She's lonely. She's been through a lot. She's not got a lot to offer. It's okay if you sit on the sidelines. It's fine. Let someone else do it. No, not Anna. She says, no, I'm passionate about serving my God. Anna did not wait to get old to serve God. No, as a matter of fact, she spent the prime and vigor of her age to be an instrument used by God. I'm reminded this morning of 1 Peter 4, verse 10, as Peter writes to us, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God in all things, here's why, here's why we serve God. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If we're not here today to bring glory to God, why are we here? I'm thankful today for a church full of people that exist for one reason. They want to bring glory to their God. It's interesting to me if Anna, amidst all her dilemmas... And we saw it, we brought out three, but she probably even had more. She's human, just like you and me. But it did not stop her from developing her passion for her God. 
many have said that they would start serving God after they got married, maybe only to find when they get married, little Johnny or little Susie comes along and they're homesick more than they're at church, you know. Many says, well, if I just get my house and if I just get my car, then I can start serving the Lord. But when that happens, usually the bills continue to come. Many would say they would serve God after they accomplish their dreams and ambitions in life. But they find that once that happens, they end up getting too old and too weak and they're not able to serve God anymore. And may I just say today that the perfect time to serve God is today. The Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Anna couldn't get out anymore. She couldn't travel or shop or visit and get away. Even though she was limited physically, I'm thankful to say this morning, she was unlimited spiritually. Maybe today... The best way you can serve is just to pray. Pray for this pastor. Maybe the best way you can serve today is pray for the souls of mankind in this community to come to Christ. Maybe for some today, the best way you can do is just pray and talk to someone about Jesus Christ. But may I say, Anna did not let her dilemma keep her from developing into the Christian God had for her. She was passionate. But I see also not only her passion, but I see her partnership, her partnership, not only was she passionate about her God, but she was passionate not just in serving her God, but she was passionate and spending time with her God. The Bible says there that she spent much time serving God. How did she serve him? With fastings and prayers. We see her close relationship with God. Two of the most powerful tools of becoming a man or woman of God is simply this. Praying and fasting. Praying is the act of communicating with God. Psalm 17, verse 5. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Aren't you thankful this morning that God wants to hear his children? We see not only through praying, but through fasting. To fast is to go without food and water for a period of time. Now, if you study this time out, we saw that Anna and those around her would have a yearly fast. But then some believe that the Pharisees and Sadducees would fast up to at least twice a week. Now, we don't know how often she fasts, but we did know that she fasted. This is recognizing the fact that we are all humans made of dust. It's a humbling of ourselves and seeking God's will for our life. And it's realizing that we are nothing apart from God and our true value is only found in the sight of our Creator. I think this is often what the disciples did in Acts 14, verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. It's interesting to me that prayer and fasting are very powerful spiritual tools So though Anna had a dilemma, her dilemma was loneliness. Her dilemma was long-suffering. Her dilemma was her limitness. God, do I really have something to offer you? It's interesting that she didn't stop with that dilemma keeping her from going forward. No, she developed into the Christian and to the person God could use through her passion for searching after God and through her partnering with God, through her prayer and fasting. And may I just say, we can all be an Anna. 
And what I mean by that is even though we're not capable in our mind, even though we're not where we need to be maybe, or we're not good enough, or maybe we say, if I could just go to church a little longer, or maybe if I could just get a little better with my walk with God, and God says, no, 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 I want you who you are. I just want a passion for me, and I just want you to partner with me, and I will use you to do something special. And that brings me to point number three. We see Anna's delight this morning. Anna's delight. You see, if Anna would have stayed in her dilemma, I really believe she would have become bitter and upset at God and just quit. Oftentimes when people are lonely or going through trials or realize they don't have much to offer, they kind of get wrapped up in their self-pity, but not Anna. She would not let her dilemma rob her of her joy. Instead, she developed that dilemma and it developed her to become more passionate about God and partnering with God that it led to a sweet delight for her soul. The Bible says in verse number 38, and she coming in. The word coming in means presenting herself. And that instant she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. It's interesting that Simeon, last week we learned that he was looking for the consolation. He was looking for the Messiah coming. We see Anna's looking for the Messiah as well. And if you flick back to chapter 1, verse 68, we see also that Elizabeth said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. It's interesting to me that those people were looking for their Messiah, Jesus Christ. She comes in and she watches as Simeon says his last few words about Jesus. And she gets excited. There is the Messiah. And we see that she delights by her praise. Romans chapter 5 verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience. And experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. I see this woman who has this dilemma of long-suffering and loneliness and limitedness. I see that she gets passionate about her God. She starts partnering with him in prayer and fasting. And I see it brings a delight. She sees the Messiah. God blesses her. And she can't help but praise the Lord for his goodness to her. Oftentimes our dilemma can cause us to get bitterness and upset at God. But if we instead allow it to develop us, we can instead praise God for his goodness to us. I have seen some people who have gone through some of the hardest things you could ever imagine have a smile on their face and you'd never know it. I've seen some people that if you say, how are you doing today? You should have, you think about 25 minutes later, I shouldn't have asked. What's the difference? The difference is simply some are allowing their dilemma to crush them and others of them are allowing their dilemma to bring praise to God. I see not only a praise, but I see her proclamation. It's interesting if you read verse number 37, 38, it says there, And she came in at that instant and gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him. And this is the interesting phrase I want to capitalize on here. To all them. To all them. Who are all of them? Well, Alfred said this, a commentary. He says, if this was at the hour of prayer, numbers would flock to the temple. And it would account for her having such an audience as the words imply. 
I think it's interesting. Here is Anna. She's lonely. Here's Anna. She's long-suffering. She doesn't have much to offer. She probably thinks, God, could you ever use me? But she doesn't allow that to control her. She instead develops a, pray, a, a partnership with God, a passion for God. And you know what God does? Right about when it's Anna's turn to speak. He brings in a crowd of people doing their daily prayers. And this crowd of people comes into the temple. Can you imagine? Shoulder to shoulder, there's child trying to get in there. And this woman, who some maybe thought was crazy, as we saw in the drama, or some maybe wondered why she never left the temple, or some maybe saw her wrinkledness or, or her shaky voice, or wondered, what, is, what has she got to do? What, what's so great? And there's Anna. She's starting to proclaim that, hey, look what I see. You can see too. The Messiah's here. The hope for Israel. And she starts sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There is no place, another commentary said, more needing redemption than that quote-unquote holy city, which had become an unholy city. You know what Anna was doing? She was boldly proclaiming Christ to the world. It's interesting to me, if you look through Scripture, you can see several times where people who gave their life to Christ and God changed their life, how they weren't ashamed to tell people about it. First John chapter 2, verse 28, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I know we live in a day and age today where it's easy to feel ashamed about Jesus Christ. But I'm here today to say we can be like Anna and boldly proclaim, yes, Jesus Christ is alive and well. The gospel is good news and it changed my life. And guess what? I can change yours too. I think of Peter and John. The Bible says in Acts chapter 14, verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I love the boldness of the woman at the well. The Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Could you imagine Anna getting so excited? Could you imagine Simeon, the old gentleman we talked about last week, so excited? Can you imagine Peter and John so excited to tell people what Jesus did? Can you imagine the woman at the well who had five husbands and the one she was with wasn't even her husband? And can you imagine her excitedly telling the town, hey, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Isn't this the Christ? How about you this morning? How excited are you about sharing with others? This Christmas season, we get to celebrate, not Santa Claus. We love the lights. We love the carols. We love the cookies. We love the food. I do, at least. You know, 
We love all the family. We love all the nostalgias. We love all the traditions. And may we enjoy them. But may we more excitedly be passionate about saying, this is when God became a man to keep you and me from having to go to hell. The good news of the gospel. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. I think of Jesus as he shares with his disciples before he left. In Mark 16, verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's interesting how we often swallow the lie and we think, my friends and the people we work with and those in our community don't really want to know about Jesus. But I think they do. I don't think they want to learn about the religion. I think they want to hear about the good news of what Jesus Christ did for them. I think they want to hear what Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I have received, how that you have to go to church to go to heaven, how you have to give money to go to heaven, how you have to live a good life, live a perfect life, how you have to feed the poor, how you have to go around and live a life that's unattainable. All these things you have to do to go to heaven. No, no, Paul doesn't say that. What does Paul say in verse number four? And that he was buried after he died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures, my dear friend, I think the world would love to hear the message that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to pay for your sins and for mine. You see, we are all sinners. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says for the wages, the payment of that sin is death and hell. If we're not careful, we can look at that and say, oh man, What an awful person I've been. I have no hope. Maybe if I'm good enough, maybe if I go to church, maybe if I give some money, maybe if I read, and maybe if I study and do all this. No, no, no. Jesus says the gift of God is eternal life. That gift, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, but God commendeth, God gave his love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize this morning that your sin is keeping you from God? But Jesus Christ was willing to die on the cross to pay for your sin and mine. And that's what Paul's writing about here. He was willing to be crucified. Jesus, this perfect baby that we read about last week, Simeon, this gospel, if you remember, is global. This wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles and the Greeks. It was for you and me. He was willing to be born a perfect child, be raised. And when he was 30 plus years old, he'd go to the garden and he'd say, God, are you sure? Father. And Jesus went to the cross and was crucified and died an awful death. Didn't even look like a man. And he cried, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he died. They put him in the tomb. They guarded his tomb. But on that third day, he arose from the grave. His clothes were little grave things were there. But he was God. Why? He had risen from the grave. He had conquered death, hell, and the grave. 
And we, because of that, serve a risen Savior today because he was willing to go to the cross for you and me. Do you realize this morning that your sin is keeping you from God? But you also realize this morning that Jesus Christ wants to be your Lord and Savior and it's a free gift. All you have to do is receive it. Do you believe that? Or are you going to allow your misconceived ideas that, well, surely Jesus, he's a loving God. Why would I need to receive him? He'll just give me a pass. No, 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 no. The only way to get to heaven is by receiving Jesus Christ in your life. You say, well, why would a Savior have to go to the cross? I mean, to the Jews, it was a stumbling block. So if it's a stumbling block to you, it was to the Jews as well. Why would a king have to die on a cross? Can you imagine back in those days, after they had watched ruler after ruler be be overtaken by another, thinking Jesus got conquered by the Romans again. He was supposed to be our king, our savior. But what they did not realize is Jesus had to do that to pay for their sin. But he rose from the grave. And now he rules and reigns in heaven. And he's willing to be your heavenly father if you'll but receive him into your life. What about you this morning? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven, number one? Number two, is your dilemma of long loneliness, long-suffering, limitness, or you, you, you add to it, whatever it is, is it keeping you from an enjoying life serving the Lord, or is it helping you develop a passion for God and a partnership for God? Therefore, it will bring a delight of praise and proclamation in your life. It's your choice. Will you allow your dilemma to define you in a bad sense, or will you allow it to propel you to get closer to the Lord? And then... Will you boldly proclaim his faith, his, his gospel? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Maybe there's someone in an auditorium this size who would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I didn't realize what Jesus Christ did for me. And I now understand my sin is keeping me from the Savior. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me today? I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. No one's, no one's moving around. No one's, no one's talking. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We don't want to embarrass anyone. But how many would say this morning, you know what, that's me. I want to see as Anna saw. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I want to invite him in my life. Will you pray for me? Will you just slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you. I won't embarrass you. Is there anybody this morning in the balcony maybe? Maybe down the lower floor. Say, Pastor Justin, I want to invite Jesus Christ to my life. Anybody this morning? Say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I have this dilemma in my life, and Anna's was loneliness, long-suffering, limitness, and, and I have something else, but it has been defining me, and I'm tired of it defining me. I, I want, instead of allowing my dilemma to defeat me, I want my dilemma to help me grow close to the Lord. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see those hands. Maybe there's someone this morning that would say, Pastor Justin, I want to de- I'm willing to develop in the dilemma my passion for God and my partnership with God. I realize now that the dilemma is there to help me grow closer to the Lord. Will you pray for me that I will do that? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? And then maybe there's someone today that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I want my dilemma to develop me to where I delight in God, even in my aches and pains, even in my trials, even in my uh, frustrations, I want to delight in the Lord and proclaim his goodness and his good news. Will you pray for me that I'll, I'll pro- boldly proclaim his gospel? Is that you? We slip your hand. 
Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. Lord, you know I gave, I gave myself this morning. I, I, I truly did. I, I hope you were pleased. Lord, I wanted to convey this message. Though it was a little shorter. I believe that you have something for us all today. We can walk away from and, or be reminded from Anna. But even in our dilemma, you want to develop us so that we can delight in you. I pray you help us today. Use this invitation. There's someone that needs to give their life to Christ. May they do that. There's someone that needs to take that next step in baptism. May they do that today. There's someone that that would like to join the church. We'd love to talk to them about that. Maybe there's someone with a burden that's just overwhelming. And it's crushing them right now. I pray that you'll help them give it to you. And may we as a church be able to help them. I pray that you'll be the great physician, Lord. Lord, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. Lord, you're the great relationship restorer. You can reconcile. You can do so many things. And may you work today like only you can. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet. We have what's called an invitation here, a time where you can come and pray at an old-fashioned altar. Our, Our staff was up here. They'd love to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to make a decision public, or maybe you'd like just send a prayer with you. You have a burden or maybe something that's, that's overbearing to you. Maybe you'd like to take that next step in your Christian walk. Maybe you'd like the Lord to, to help you. And that's what we're here for. This is what this time's about. And so will you just take a minute or two and uh, reflect on the message, how God maybe talked to your heart and maybe make a decision. Uh, really, the preaching of God's word does no good unless we try to implement it. And if God is is working on our heart, may we give that to him and we spend some time in prayer as only God can do that. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, We'll get you on your way in just a second. If this is your first time today, thank you for coming. Hope you know we're glad you're here. We want to get to know you. And uh, also, um, don't forget tonight, we have a service at 5. Many of the children are practicing for the choir and different things. We have a video here we're going to show with a few upcoming events. Also, we are doing... um, of course, with the Giving Christmas Tree, we're also going to have a canned food drive. Um, if anybody would like to bring some canned goods in, uh, we're going to be partnering with the school on that and want to help some families in need as well with some food. And so just some different areas maybe you can serve this, this season. And so there will be a barrel there for you next week. And so I want to encourage you in that area. Let's watch the video here.
Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Layman was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for another powerful sermon from Pastor Layman. Mark your calendars for the Christmas Eve candlelight service that will take place on Saturday, December 24th at 5 p.m. Join us as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Please note there will only be one shortened service on Christmas Day at 11 a.m. We are raising funds for our new family center. A large donor has promised to match the first $70,000 that comes in between November 29th and the end of the year. So join us in being a part of this special given opportunity for our gym. We are inviting all of the seniors of Grandview Baptist Church to join us for two special events. On the 12th, we are going to PIR, Portland International Raceway. They have the largest Christmas lights demonstration in the whole Northwest. It's going to be beautiful. Now, we'll take a shuttle so we can hold 23 people. If we have to, we'll go twice or take an additional bus. But we need you to sign up this Sunday. Uh, we want you to be there. It's going to be exciting. Plus, I want to mention on the 18th, that Sunday, right after the 11 o'clock service, the seniors are having a potluck. We want you to bring your food and your side dishes, and we will enjoy a wonderful time of fellowship. Ladies, it's here, our most anticipated event of the year, the Ladies Ornament Exchange. It will be Monday, December 5th at 6 p.m. So... This December, bring an ornament to exchange, your favorite snack to share, wear your favorite ugly Christmas sweater, and join us for a great time of fun and fellowship. Don't forget to bring in your gifts from the Giving Tree. Our goal is to provide gifts for a special bus ministry Christmas party on Sunday, December 18th. Simply choose a label off our Giving Tree and buy an age-appropriate gift for around $10, then attach a label to your wrapped gift and place it back under the Giving Tree, or bring it to the church office by Wednesday, December 14th. Don't miss the musical Christmas program, Believe, this Friday, December 9th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 11th at 11 a.m. This musical program features full orchestration as well as our adults, teens, and children's choirs. Join us for the special time of Christ-centered music for the whole family. Please note that our Sunday school time will be abbreviated to facilitate our musical presentation. There will be a shortened connection group period from 10 to 10.30 next Sunday morning. Teenagers, don't miss the Christmas Bulb Bonanza overtime activity tonight following the evening service. There will be a bulb decorating competition with the winners taking home a Dutch Bros gift card. The activity will conclude 30 minutes after the close of the evening service. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay, please know two things. God loves you, and this pastor loves you. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you later. Travel safely in the snow. You're dismissed.